love dog friendly hotels yeah especially because a lot of places will spoil your dog they have like special beds and they have bowls and treats and goodie bags it makes the trip a million times better Hello and welcome back to Honest to Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Foley. And with me, I have my beautiful, handsome hubby, Jeff Gadway. What do you want? I'm just being nice. Can a girl just be nice? I'm just teasing. I really appreciate appreciate it. You're too good to me. Episode 51. Mm -hmm. I was really happy with how episode 50 turned out. It was really fun. Yeah, it was nice. Just casual chat. Totally. And so this week, we're going to get back to the regularly scheduled programming, bringing you tons of value. Lots of tips and advice. And today we're talking about traveling with your dog. Mm -hmm. We've gotten some questions on this from listeners, and we've done it ourselves, so I think we can speak to it. When you look at your clients and dog owners that you know, what percentage of them travel with their dogs versus send their dogs to boarding or have somebody look after their dogs you know what's sort of the breakdown I mean and I know I know that's very hard to generalize but um, I guess my thought process is we've got these dogs as part of our family and I want them to come everywhere with us Mm -hmm. is that common or is that atypical I think it's kind of split down the middle 50 50 I think it really depends on where someone's going and whether or not it's pet friendly because I would say majority of my clients would absolutely in a heartbeat want their dog with them on any vacation, but some places aren't pet friendly or are you really going to take your dog with you down to Bahamas on a trip? I don't know. I would love to. Yeah. But (laughs) we do dog sit for some clients when they go on trips and travel. Sometimes you do also do need and deserve some time away from your dog and that's healthy. Yeah. So yeah. Both ways. But today's game plan, I think, is to talk about some different modes of travel Mm -hmm. and also some strategies for planning your trip around making it dog friendly. Just really trying to set people up for success. If you're, you know, taking your dog on a plane or on a car ride, share some stories from different trips that we've taken with our pets and what we've tried to do to make it successful. Let's start with kind of the doozy, get get the hard one out of the way. And that's air travel. Mm Mm-hmm. All three of our dogs, mm-hmm. Carmen, Baker, and Ty, have had various experiences with air travel. Maybe let's start with Carmen. Mm-hmm. I think this week is the seven-year, this is crazy, mm-hmm. seven-year anniversary that you first went and trained with Caesar. I know. So congratulations Thank on you. that. Um, it's been a great building block for, for oh you gosh, and for your I business. But seven years, and that story came up in our, you know, our Facebook feed or whatever as a reminder. And I think the photo that was attached to it was Carmen and you, and Carmen's crate, kind of at the curbside of Pearson Airport, which Mm -hmm. is the big airport in Toronto. And that was the first time Carmen ever. Well, no, I guess it wasn't the first time she flew. She must have flown here from from Mexico. She didn't hitchhike. But it's the first time that she flew with us and the first time that we ever flew with a dog. Mm -hmm. And that was probably, let's be real, probably more stressful on us than it was on her. Absolutely. But let's talk about that experience and some of the things that we did to prepare her for that and to make it as smooth sailing as possible. Mm -hmm. I was really nervous, really nervous. And 
and worried about her and how that was going to be. What were you most nervous about, Liz? Her safety, I think, was a big one. Not just whether or not she would be calm and and relaxed. Like, I I did worry about her mental state. Like, is she going to be in any sort of anxiety or fear? Yeah. But I also worried about... Like, what if someone just leaves her on a tarmac and she's there and she doesn't have food or water or anything? Like, I just started playing out scenarios. And especially because we were going somewhere hot. Right. We were going to California. And so, yeah, I didn't want her to suffer at all. I wanted to be really prepared for her. I wanted to make sure she would be calm or as calm as possible and tired on this journey because it was a, a four and a half hour flight or five hours. It's longer than that oh. to LA. Yeah. It's it's a it's a bit of a hike. I think what complicated things even further is because Carmen was about forty pounds, just shy of forty pounds, mm-hmm. and her size, she couldn't fly in the cabin, right? I mean right. I think first choice would be fly in the cabin with us. Um, and we'll talk about some of our experiences with with Baker around that in a few minutes. But since that was ruled out and you were taking Carmen to be a working like a, for a working spot at Caesars, right? So like it was really it was worth it. It right? was it was very important to me that she was there for that life pivoting experience meeting Caesar Milan and my idol and getting to learn from him and being in California being at the freaking dog psychology center like I was fangirling pretty hard and I was like (laughs) I need my ride or die right there with me and you came but you stayed at the hotel you didn't come to the actual workshop but Carmen was right there with me and I was like I'm not giving this up for anything either we're driving there with her or we're flying but we're all making it there. Right. So once we made that decision, what were some of the steps we took? I mean, at that time, Carmen hadn't really gotten much experience with with crating, right? Mm, like you, yeah, you didn't accurate. use crates very much in your training at that time, maybe a little bit, but we really never had a reason to crate Carmen. So I think the first thing that we did was we got her familiar and comfortable with being in the crate at home so that she'd be perfectly acclimatized in the beginning with my training i always equated crates with puppies or problem dogs and carmen didn't fall into either one of those categories and she was house trained she was potty trained she was calm in the house she was super chill didn't destroy anything and so we're like she's perfectly trustworthy and then in order to have her travel with us we're like oh we got to get it comfortable with the crate. And it was not all that easy. And I tr- I tried introducing the crate in the wrong way. I was like throwing a treat to the back. And for this super food motivated dog to just be like, nope, not going in there. I was totally projecting my own claustrophobia onto her. And, and Carmen, well, everybody's dog is very in tune to your own energy. And so Carmen was just like, no. You don't feel good about this. I'm not feeling good about this. And so it was always very begrudgingly. We'd get her in. And even when she was in the crate, she would refuse to eat the food. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, she hates me. <laughs> and so she she tolerated the, the crate going there. Um, and I have since 
really honed my craft at how to introduce dogs properly to the crate and make it a positive association. And so it, it wasn't a problem moving forward, but do work on that way ahead of time with your dog, get them comfortable in the crate, not, not just leading up to it like we did. So we, we worked on the crate in the months leading up to the California trip because we knew it was coming. We had time. The other thing you want to make sure you're doing in advance is making sure your dog has all the right vaccinations. That's something that they check at the border. So you want to make sure it's all really clear and laid out. The other thing to note is that vaccines take a bit of time to get into the system and work and do their magic to protect your dog. So again, that's not something to do a week or two before your trip. You want to make sure maybe that's a month or two in advance. And then you're going to have to do another vet visit anyways, much closer to your actual travel date so that your dog has a clean bill of health that's been authorized by a vet that they are safe to travel to another country. They're not going to be carrying any illnesses. You're going to have to make two vet trips and don't try to combine them because it's not going to work. Right, right. So the first one is to get the vaccines in, get the vaccination records. And then the second one, I think it has to be within a certain number of hours yeah. of entering 24 48 something you have to have i think it's like a certificate of health or that's a, it yeah. yes and you know you can tell your vet that you're traveling with your dog and that you need this and they do pretty much a very cursory examination of your of your dog just to make sure that there's nothing that's kind of cropped up or that could happen while your dog is away and then they sign off on the certificate of health so we've got the vet stuff underway we're ready to you know pack for the trip head to the airport um, anything that you encourage people to think about in terms of like what to take with you for your dog if you're traveling somewhere away from home? So in addition to all your paperwork for your dog so that they know that they are healthy to travel, you're also going to want to put, or at least I put with Carmen in her crate, I put a leash um, I didn't have it attached to her, but I had it very clearly at the front of the crate um, and a bowl, an empty bowl, so that if a kind person <laughs> in passing saw that there was this dog here, they might offer her water or be able to, in an emergency situation, let her out of the crate, but have her leashed. And make it safe. Yeah. 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 Because if somebody is, and I mean, I don't know if they're trained not to, I would assume probably because the last thing they would want are dogs roaming and running in on tarmacs. But if you were to open the crate of an unknown dog, some dog's instincts would to be to take off. Right. But you don't want that leash on the dog for no. choking exactly. risk or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. And then the other really neat thing and some people might think that we were helicopter parents and mm -hmm. probably were a little bit, but we labeled that crate I, to heck. I we love that I did that. Little 25-year-old or how old? No, 27-year-old Lizzie. Just like stickers all over it that said, hi, my name is Carmen. I'm a first-time traveler. I'm super friendly. I have a water bowl and a leash in here. Like I just, yeah, I tried to make it super cute. Yeah. So that no one would be scared of this. Like, she looked like a mini Rottweiler or something. Kind but it of. also made a lot of sense because if someone needed to interact with her, knowing that she wasn't threatening, knowing her name mm -hmm, would true. make it far more familiar, familiar and, and successful than, you know, 
Hey, yeah. dog. <laughs> I have to um, say, it was a, a smart move on my part. It was a smart move. It was a smart move. And I would highly recommend doing the same. And I just wrote really big writing on just plain We'll see if we can stickers. find a photo. Yeah. I think it'd be fun to share. We got everything ready, all the stuff that you talked about. I think you also had like a blanket that smelled like oh, us. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. she a sweatshirt or something. Felt kind of safe and familiar. And I think what we did was we drove to the airport, but we didn't mm -hmm. go straight to the airport. We found somewhere really close by that was like an open field or a park or something. And I think we walked her there. Mm -hmm. And the day before, though, we did even more to tire her out because we didn't have too much time before the flight, but like give her something. Something's better than nothing. A last minute potty break and then headed out. So we got to the airport. Uh, we checked in. I think we got some help from uh, you had a hookup, a family friend yeah. Yeah, uh, who worked for the airline. Um, shout out to Janet Shaw. And she helped us kind of accelerate the check-in process. And I think the hardest moment was, you know, oh, yes. had Carmen in her crate because she couldn't be, you know, walking around the airport, but like pretty much putting her on the luggage rack and seeing the crate disappear and knowing that we weren't going to see it again for another six or seven hours. Mm -hmm. That was really tough. I know. And Janet was really sweet to us and did put her mind at ease and help with that. But yeah, I, I was really torn up about it i think we we i remember this yes we put her on that whatever you call it the belt the belt yeah and there was some like an attendant standing right there and we were like take care of our girl that's right <laughs> and and he even helped put our mind at ease yeah yeah as we were getting on the plane i still remember you asked the person checking us in Hey, is there anyone you could radio down to to ask if our dog Carmen's okay? And somebody wearing like the the gear, you know that they're loading up planes. He overheard and he was like, "Hey, you talking about Carmen and <laughs> that dog Carmen?" <laughs> and we we're like, "Yeah, that's our dog. She's so good. Don't even worry about it. Did you guys medicate her cuz she's super calm right now?" And we we're like, that's just her. <laughs> well, and that's the, the exercise coming back that's to pay true. dividends too. Yeah. So kudos yeah. again to you on that. So that made me feel really good yeah. that she wasn't experiencing any anxiety through this starting process. And then I was like, okay, I know my dog. She is really calm. She is really social. She is really, really happy-go-lucky. She's going to be okay. Yeah. So now I can relax, kind of, probably not. Probably had a drink on the plane. <laughs> well, I think the, the flight though, like, you know, with every little bump, oh, every yeah. little, you know, bit of turbulence, um, I, I feel like I probably almost went up to the cockpit and was like, hey, <laughs> fly it real easy today, okay? <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of the kind of dad energy I had at the time. I remember every feeling every bump and everything and I'd close my eyes and I would just think of Carmen and I'd be like, you're okay, Carmen, you're okay. And I would just try to telepathically be there for her. That's right. So we arrive at LAX um, and then, you know, I think we got our, our luggage and we had to go to the oversized luggage mm -hmm. and literally Carmen's crate came rolling out on the conveyor belt. And it was so cute because the second, like she knew we were there, she, her schnoz, she could smell us from a mile away. And I feel like the crate was rocking because she was standing up with her tail <laughs> wagging and she was singing her little like <laughs> doing her squeaky wheel. And oh my God, that was, oh, it felt so good to be reunited with her. Oh yeah, yeah. 
so that was that was um you know our experience with with cargo carmen essentially <laughs> right and yeah. we had to do the same thing on the way back which probably wasn't any easier but she was also super tired from an entire week right at the ranch so she was really i i felt pretty decent about that return yeah um Another one of our kids had a cargo experience. Mm -hmm. Ty came to us from Thailand, mm -hmm. right, from Phuket. And so he made a long journey and, um, you know, we, we had to go pick him up at the airport at like a cargo hangar and they literally brought his crate over to us on a forklift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, per the instructions from the adoption agency, we brought the crate into your truck, opened the crate in the truck so there was no risk of, of mm -hmm. Ty fleeing. But... It seemed like, again, he had a blanket in there. He had one of those little water dispensers like mm -hmm. you'd put on a gerbil's like a, cage yeah. or a rabbit's cage. So he could have some 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 fluids. Yeah. And uh, that's that's been Ty's only air, air experience so mm -hmm. far, right? Yeah. And that was a long... Long flight. Long flight. Yeah, I felt bad for him. They had little pee pads in there and there were little accidents. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, understandable. I mean, they gave you water. And yeah. so I don't think... It was a very pleasant experience for him. I mean, we know Ty as well. He is very sensitive and he... Especially back then. Oh, yeah, true. Very, very true. Yeah. Um. So he, yeah, he struggled. He was shaking, but I still remember, I think you took a couple pictures of it, opening that crate door and she ca he came out and gave me kisses on the face and I was just like, so sweet. Yeah. But I was also like, I know you're absolutely terrified right and he wouldn't go to the bathroom for us we tried to let him out before driving from toronto to home and he wouldn't go and i was kind of worried about him and i had rabbit ears with me and lavender oil and he wouldn't eat the rabbit ears lavender oil was not helping at that point to help calm him down it was pretty high stress had a little bit of travel hangover i think yeah is, is probably what was going on yeah so Baker is probably the most traveled of our kids, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. probably as a function of his size. I mean, he's Absolutely. six and a half pounds, tiny. And because of his size, we have the benefit of being able to take him in the cabin mm -hmm. um, as carry-on luggage. Yeah. So he has a soft-sided carrier that we brought him back from uh, California in, and that more or less fits under the seat. Mm -hmm. We're able to take him with us. But any tips or tricks or strategies that you can share with people who might have a small dog and be fortunate to be able to bring their dog in the cabin with them. Yeah. So with with Baker, he was four months old traveling back with me and it was just me and him and I'm a nervous flyer. And so I was like, I got to hold it together for this little man. He's counting on me. And so um, what I had done was packed I think it was just some of his kibble. I don't even think it was special treats in my carry-on because I was really, really set on helping him have a positive association with the flight and making it, yeah, just an okay time for him because he was sensitive and I was just worried about him. And so when we were taking off, I just pew, 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 like threw little kibbles in his crate. And I was like, this is, this is a happy experience, happy experience. And then the same thing with coming down and he was amazing. I'm not saying that that made it all better, but I don't know if it was because I was there with him and we had already started off building this amazing bond, but he was able to be quiet and relax the entire flight because he seems very comfortable with that experience, 
And because of his size, we do take him more places. Yeah, like he's been to Winnipeg with us to do a private training with uh, with Kevin Mitchelluk. He's been to L.A. again when you mm-hmm. worked with Heather Ray Young. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to take him with us to Bahamas mm-hmm. until COVID shut that down uh, I forgot back about in 2020. That. But, you know, we had done all of the legwork around understanding what the Bahamas Department of Agriculture required to get into the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we had somebody on the ground there helping to push that paperwork through. We had all of the paperwork from the vets here. Um, I think we even had the quote unquote seat reserved on the plane for him. Mm. So we were like locked and loaded, ready to go. Yeah. I think one thing I will also want to point out traveling with your, your pet, especially with airplanes is I understand wanting your dog to be in the cabin with you, but I caution against anyone making the dog an emotional support animal fictitiously because there are people who have service dogs who need to be on flights and some people who really do need an ESA. I've heard stories where people have fabricated that um, storyline so that their dog could ride with them and it's caused a lot of problems down the line. So there are ways you can get your dog comfortable leading up to a flight for them to ride in cargo if they need to ride in cargo. That's right. And I mean, I think what's important to remember is if your dog is going to come in the cabin with you, you have to let the airline know ahead of time and they only allow a certain number of dogs Mm -hmm. in the cabin. So I think to your point, Liz, if your dog is taking the spot of a guide dog, a service dog, an ESA animal that's really needed. Wow, yeah. Um, I think that's why it's really important to be considerate yeah, and be thoughtful about that. It's abusive of a system. It's finding a loophole. Yeah, and I think, you know, joking, not joking, but we've seen a rise in emotional support animals, not necessarily of the canine variety, but all sorts of stories reported about emotional support pigs and emotional support turkeys and all sorts of stuff. That's true. Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not joking. Imagine emotional support snakes and then someone could actually say get these motherfucking <laughs> snakes on this motherfucking plane <laughs> um but i think you know because of some of these different species being used as uh, esas a lot of airlines now especially in light of covid19 and the pandemic have put much tighter restrictions absolutely true around esa type criteria. And I don't even know if, if emotional support animals are allowed on flights I know, with certain I think, airlines. Yeah, now. I think they have really cracked down on that. Um, again, it takes a few bad apples to ruin it for the bunch. But yeah. anyway, don't do it. So I think that's planes, right? We've talked about cargo. We've talked about traveling in cabin with your pet. Let's move on from planes to uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> We've never done a train trip, funny enough. No. Um, we'll need to we'll need to experience that and then maybe report back. Yeah, that might be cool. But what about cars? I know we've talked about getting your your dog comfortable with vehicles in other episodes. We've talked about it with the one about Ty. I think we've talked about it a few other places. But if you're going on a road trip with your dog, whether it's a short trip or a longer, you know, cross country trip or something like that. Any tips, strategies, advice to make that a really successful experience? Yes. I would actually say too, this is a great place to start. If you want to travel with your dogs flying, start with a road trip with your car because having your dog in the crate in the car while it's moving and while there are sounds of other cars, it can help desensitize them to 
flights later on. So it's a great stepping stone. And you've talked about this before. Maybe it was the one about treadmilling your dog, but the whole notion that a dog being in a moving object when they're not moving is so foreign to them, right? Like we are so accustomed to it as as peoples, but... Yeah, dog, they don't know that sensation. The only time the earth moves beneath a dog in the real world is an earthquake. Right, so the, it's scary experience. Yeah, so it is going to be unsettling, especially the more sensitive a dog is, the more unsettling. And so you want to expose them. Plus, I just love crates and cars because for safety, it's yeah. really... It's really important to me. So and that's that's something. Just thinking about that, you know, even with Carmen, we never we never because we didn't mm-hmm. use crates, and neither of us had a car that would accommodate a crate at the time. That's not something we were ever familiar with. We we had like one of those. We had a hammock, a hammock, or like a sling thing mm-hmm. that was supposed to help with safety. But you know, now with with your vehicle having one or even two full size crates in the back. It just really puts my mind at ease, especially mm-hmm. if we were doing a longer trip, um, mm-hmm. which we have, like when we've gone up to Tobermory or places like that, you know, it's just nice peace of mind knowing that the dogs have their own space and that heaven forbid, if there was some kind of an incident, they wouldn't be thrown around the cabin. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're going to want your crate wherever your destination is at the hotel. A lot of hotels, they request it, that your dog be crated when you're not in the room with them. And I mean, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Dogs, Some dogs can be destructive in a new environment without their human. Um, so that is not only safety and security for you and your dog, it's also for the establishment. And staff that might be... Uh, yeah, very true. Yeah, this is good. We should talk about hotels in more depth in a second because we've We've taken our dogs to a bunch of hotels. Mm, yeah, many hotels. Love, love dog-friendly hotels. Yeah. that It makes the trip a million times better, especially because a lot of places will spoil your dog. They yeah. have like special beds and they have bowls and treats and goodie bags. And yeah, they yeah, make so it really like nice. Le Germain yes. um, in Toronto on Mercer. One of our favorites. They have like the most plush beds, beautiful. Um, they put out water. They have treats for your dog. I think the King Edward Hotel in Toronto mm-hmm. did something similar around Wolfstock one year. Yeah. Um, but we've also taken the dogs to the uh, Weston, uh, a few Weston properties. And a lot of properties will be okay with it. But you really just need to do the, the legwork up front and do your Google searching. Call the hotel. What I typically do. I will call the hotel and ask because the stuff online could be outdated. It might not be complete. It can be hard to find sometimes. So typically what I will do is call the hotel, ask for details around dog staying, let them know we have a a small six and a half pound dog, kind of a medium 20 pound dog and get them to like verbally confirm. And then what I do, I don't know if I told you this, I asked who I'm speaking to, what their position is. So that if anybody ever was to come back at me, I could be Uh like, I spoke to Julie on June the 4th. She told me this, right? And it's not about throwing poor Julie under the bus, but just having sort of like a paper trail Mm -hmm. to be able to fall back on should something happen. I love that you're so thorough. Yeah, I take care of our dogs. That's really sweet. I'm a good dad. Yes. (laughs) I'm, I'm the travel planner in the household. You really are. I'm just like, take my hand and just take me there. Just show me where I need to go. A lot of hotels have an additional fee. So being aware of that and making sure it's a dog-friendly environment. Also ask them 
where dog-friendly restaurants are nearby because that's what hotels do. They, they're really good at customer service and right. take advantage of that. Ask them for, if you want a trail to hike with your dog, a restaurant or cafe, dog park, whatever, they're, they're going to know those things. They should at least. If you're going on a really long road trip, you're going to want to look at a couple different options for you along the way with stopping in addition to regular pit stops for your dog and you're going to still want to walk your dog every day. So factor that into your travel time because a tired dog equals a calm dog in the car. So deplete their energy still every day so that you can make the travel experience just super easy for you and your dog. So take Tobermory for a second. It's about a three and a half, four hour drive from where we live. Not the longest road trip in the world, but one of the longer trips that we'd taken with Ty and Baker, you know, outside of, you know, going to LA or something like that. And so I think we walked them in the morning before we set out, right? We drove for maybe an hour, a couple hours. We needed some nourishment. We wanted to stretch our legs too. So we found a place to stop. I think we stopped in Wyerton, Wyerton Willie. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. And we took the dogs on, you know, like a, a 15, 20 minute, 25 minute jaunt. You know, Stretch your legs, have a potty break. Yeah. And then they were happy to jump back in the car. We finished our drive. And then part of my favorite, my favorite part about that trip was we were all together as a family. Carmen was still with us mm-hmm. actually. And we really structured that whole vacation around spending time together, quality time, and also finding cool places like our provincial parks to do hikes with the dogs and explore new places, go to the grotto, the black sand beach, like all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Like that was really memorable for me. And we've got all sorts of pictures. I think I even made a puzzle for you, you with a picture of you and the dogs. Yeah, it was always a dream of mine to take Carmen to Tobamori because the water's so beautiful there. And I just thought that that would just be it. And so it was so perfectly timed. I think I knew deep down our time was running out with Carmen. And so it was just on the bucket list. We'll post some pictures from that trip for for our listeners to to check out. I mean, we've got some great ones that'll be memories forever. Like me on the couch reading the newspaper I with Carmen laying there with one. me. Yeah, I love that too. I really want to find that video of her on the tarmac coming up to us, not on the tarmac, on the conveyor belt coming out to us with this the squeaky wheel yeah. and the shaky crate. I don't know if I'll be able to find that. That's seven years old, so wish me luck. It's going to be a deep dive <laughs> on my iPhone with all a, a million photos of dogs. You have no idea. So many photos. <laughs> I'll, teach, I'll teach you the tricks how to find that stuff. Okay, appreciated. I'd love to hear from anyone who's listening where are the favorite places that you've taken your dog? It could be near, could be far, uh, wherever you are. I believe that, no. <laughs> yeah, like let us know where you've gone with your dogs. Post your photos of you traveling with your dog and be sure to tag at Honest Dog Podcast. And let's really make this uh, the summer that we travel more with our dogs. I mean, we're coming out of lockdown. We have the opportunity to explore our local neighborhoods and and do some stuff you know together as a family so let's get traveling with our dogs 100 percent 100 p i think the really key things to remember when traveling with your dog crate is a must make sure that your dog is healthy first and tire out your dog before going out on this experience And anybody who knows me and has trained with me knows I love a good dress rehearsal. So do a short-term 
little travel, like a one night or somewhere before taking a big adventure. Get your dog comfortable with those baby steps and then it's smooth sailing. Love it, Liz. I think you should say it. And until next time, stay calm and assertive. You did a good job. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. For all things training and daycare, check out doghouse.ca. D-O-G-H-A-U-S dot C-A.